there's so many opportunities and so many options before us, but you know, until you start, why does the world need this book? Or why do you want to go to this college? Or who would care about this story? Um, if you can't answer these specific questions, then, then you should just move on to something else. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about Northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from Joe Steiniger and Mary McDonald in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. You probably don't know this, but I had a career as a filmmaker. It was really pretty short. Don't bother looking for me on IMDb. When I was in college, I worked as a tour guide in Washington, D.C. for a couple of summers. There were a lot of college students in those days who were tour guides. In fact, probably so many that I don't really know how good the tours were. But it was a great social scene. It was like summer camp for college students. And a friend in that first summer uh, who was a budding filmmaker thought, we should make a documentary about that first summer. We brought along video gear. This is way before iPhones. Uh, onto the little tour buses. We filmed people at bus stops, at tour guide parties, in the bus garage. And we edited all together using two VCRs and the record and pause buttons. It all came together in a film called Behind the Blue Tramp, which premiered at a legendary party at my mom's house while she was out of town, and which is a whole nother story. The film is pretty okay for the work of a couple of amateurs using two VCRs, but more than anything, it taught me something about storytelling and the need to think about all the various disparate things that have to come together to create the whole and have it all kind of make sense. I didn't teach myself a lot about cinematography, but the lessons I got in making Behind the Blue Tram have actually kind of stayed with me for more than three decades in radio, developing shows and podcasts and more. Well, around the time my friend Steve and I were making Behind the Blue Tram, Sarah Patton was co-founding a film production company called Stone Lantern Films, presumably that had more than two VCRs. Unlike me, she has stayed with it making some important documentaries about everything from public education to Marcel Proust to the controversial practices of elite-level speed skating coaches. Patton, who lives in Onkyota, is one of the panelists at an event on storytelling as part of the Lake Placid Film Festival later this month. So is Natalie Thill, executive director of the Adirondack Center for Writing. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Sarah Patton, what was it that first captured your imagination about filmmaking? Well, it was a long time ago in the 80s. I, um, I've always loved films. Um, I took a couple film courses in college. Um, and then um, my future sister-in-law was in the filmmaking business, and I started working with her. Uh, we worked on a script, I remember, a feature film script that never actually went anywhere, but it really was the first thing in my life that grabbed me. It was like, oh, I want to do this. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we've been working together. We have a, a small independent documentary film company for uh, since 1986. Some people, uh, if if their first foray into it ended up never getting made, it might have discouraged them. But but not you in this case. No, I don't. I I'm not. I can't really tell you why because there there are a lot of setbacks and disappointments. But uh, it's just the possibilities are so so fun, and when you when you are 
a shooting or interviewing somebody or you know digging into an idea it's just the most thrilling fun thing there is can you talk more about that like what makes it so much fun i mean i, I i've been in radio for 30 plus years and uh and i also love going out in the field and um but the thing about this business is I'm only thinking about the sound. And uh, in filmmaking, it seems like so much more work. So to hear you say that it's fun is really kind of it's, – it's encouraging to me. You know, there's so many different aspects of making a film as a really collaborative experience. So your team is really important. But then there's just a million other things, and that just – suits my personality because every day is different. Every you know thing you have to work on is different and articulating your vision and then trying to find something that, uh, you know, that works for everybody is, is great. Let me ask you, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a filmmaking 101 kind of question. Um, but I think to most of us when we, you know, probably not that many people these days sit through the credits at the end of a film, uh, although I always do. Um, uh, and it would be an interesting psychological study probably to find out why I do that. Um, but talk about what the role of the producer is. I think it's easy for people to wrap their head around, you know, the director of a feature film, um, you know, sort of controlling what's going on in front of her or him. Um, but where does the producer come in? What is what is your role when when you are producing a film? It, it's it's a big picture kind of a role um, and and trying to look down the road and see what's coming up next, not just what we're doing right now. And obviously finding funding is a big task and, and we do it together. My sister-in-law is the director of the films that we make, but we work very closely together, writing proposals and pitching ideas uh, to foundations to uh, try and raise money. So that's a really big aspect of it. And um, we are not like young filmmakers these days that do everything themselves. You know, we don't shoot ourselves or record the sound or anything like that. We hire professionals. So a big part of my job, too, is finding people uh, to work with and um, keeping everything on track and making it go go smoothly. So, yeah, you and your your sister-in-law founded Stone Lantern um, back in the back in the 80s. Did you have an uh, an overriding objective? I mean, what were the kinds of films you thought or or still think it's important to make? Well, we, you know, we make um historical documentaries and it's something that we're both super interested in. It's it's just a a really rich topic and it's you know you know your challenge is always to kind of connect it to something that people care about today but we we both like history and that's you know all of our films um have been focused on that we've also uh come into sort of a uh, public education school niche so a number of our films have been about um public education we both think it's really important and um we made a four part history of public schools and we made a film uh, more recently called Backpack Full of Cash that looked at uh, charter schools versus public schools. And and these are obviously films that uh, and subjects that are important to uh, to a lot of people. I mean, I think mm -hmm. uh, it was um, you had Meryl Streep narrate the uh, narrate the the multi part series, and and Matt Damon for Backpack Full of Cash, which. 
I don't know whether I mean I mean I, I gather it adds a little bit of heft to uh, to the production when you can get uh, voices like those people. I want to bring Natalie Thill into the conversation. Uh, she's joined us, and the thing that that struck me, Sarah, as you were talking about it, as a producer, um, and both you and your sister-in-law do this, uh, is writing proposals. And Natalie Thill, um, you do a lot of this yourself when the Adirondack Center for Writing looks to uh, looks to raise money for particular projects. In a strange way, do you feel like each of you is trying to tell the story of what you do to kind of a different, you know, I, I guess a, a granting organization? This is its own kind of storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in order to be a successful grant writer, you really do have to communicate the story of what you're doing and why it's important um, and to build that relationship with the funder. And you do that through um, storytelling and and understanding them as as a entity. You know, funders aren't just checks in the mail. There are people behind that and they care about certain things. And so if you can create a shared story, I think that's the real trick to fundraising and probably filmmaking, although I don't know, but also when you're performing on stage, you know, you want it to be a shared experience. And so when you are communicating on a grant, you're definitely trying to involve the funder, even though you're the only one writing it, you're trying to take into account things that matter to them and make links between what you're doing, what they're doing. At least I try to do that. I'm always struck by how, you know, it's so awful writing these grants. It's it's really kind of awful, but it's such a good exercise. So, you know, kind of the more we loathe the form that we have to conform to and write the answer that, you know, is exactly what they want to hear, the closer we get to figuring out what our story is. So it's it's necessary work. It's helpful in the editing process, for sure, mm-hmm. you know, because if you can distill it and say it compellingly in a grant, especially when you're answering specific questions that aren't always questions that you would wish that they would ask you, <laughs> <laughs> um, then you are able to communicate that in other ways as well. You know, so if you're meeting someone or you're trying to talk about your work or, you know, first and foremost is always the importance of it, right? Like why this matters. And sometimes when it's so on your day to day, you forget that. But when you're writing grants all the time, you can't forget that because that's, you know, right. so why you're doing the work that you're doing and why you're telling the stories that you're telling. So even just when you're doing it on stage, too, you know, you're also why are you telling that story? Why that story? Um, why is this work important? You know, those are all things that help you. So yeah, as much as we all hate it, sometimes I just want to write like just send cash. Like <laughs> I just want to just say it. Um, you know, you know we've we all been write. there. Just, come on, like just right. please. Um, but it is a really you know um, important part of it, it. It has ripple effects. It's not just that it's good for the grant, as you're saying, Sarah. It's good for so many ways um, to 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 tell your story in the most compelling edited way. And you know, why other people should be interested, you know, it's your, you, you need to keep that at the top of your head. 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, over the years, one of my jobs was uh, in, in a couple of places was being news director. And um, so when someone would come in and pitch a story, one of our reporters would come and pitch a story they wanted to do. We sometimes had actually a document like this or sometimes it was just in the conversation. But it was always about the focus statement. And one of the things that they had to answer before they went out in the field is – why should people care about this story? And it sounds like, you know, the grants are a, a, an important part of the process. But even if it weren't for the fact that, you know, these these documents that, that we have to fill out in the nonprofit world uh, result in funding, um, this process is a really important introspection part of of whatever project you're involved in. Yes, especially when you have when you uh, resubmit multiple times <laughs> because um, you respond to feedback from here, there, and everywhere. And first you're angry and then you try to see what is it they're really trying to say and how can I make this, how can I sidestep this um, this criticism in my next round? You know, how can I anticipate it and uh, head it off at the pass? But in the end, hopefully it makes, you know, in your case, Sarah, the film better or in Natalie's case, the whatever the project is better. Well, the, there's the famous when you were saying, you know, why would anyone care about this? There's the famous, you know, in the editing room when a book in the book publishing world, it's why does the world need this book? That was always the question that you had to answer. And it's those simple questions that are so important and so sometimes hard to answer. But if you can't, then <laughs> and that's okay too. You know, not every book should be published and not every funder is your funder and right. not every film should be made, you know? So asking these important, <laughs> my son, when he was applying to colleges, he had to write a 700 word essay about why he wanted to go to Cornell. And then he realized he didn't want to go to Cornell enough to write that. <laughs> so <he didn't> <laughs> but that was important information. He thought he wanted to apply until he had to write that essay. <laughs> he was like, actually, um, so sometimes these very simple but important questions really do focus us. Um, there's so many opportunities and so many options before us. But, you know, until you start, why does the world need this book or why do you want to go to this college or who would care about this story? Um, if you can't answer these specific questions, then then you should just move on to something else. Well, so here's a why question. Sarah Patton, you are on the, the board of the Lake Placid Film Festival. And, you know, in the interest of self-disclosure, I am on the same panel that the, the two of you are on about storytelling at this uh, at this upcoming festival. Um, but why why is it so important to do a festival like this in a place like the Adirondacks? Well, I, um, you know, I have only been living here full time uh, for two two years now, but we've had a house up here in the Adirondacks for uh, 15, 18 years. And when we decided to move here full-time, I wanted to, to do something that would plug me into the year-round community more. And um, when I discovered that there was a film festival, which of course I had never been here in October, so I, I didn't know about it. Um, I was just like, oh, this is a dream come true. So that's how, you know, that's how I got involved uh, with the board, uh, an opportunity to make films. And when we, we need this up here, we need to be able to go and see cutting edge films that, um, you know, other people are talking about and, um, you know, 
do it before it makes it into the theater. I think that uh, I think the film festival is just a tremendous resource for Lake Placid and Saranac Lake and all the surrounding areas for people give them something to do, um, something to talk about. Well, and as somebody who's been making films for you know the better part of four decades, uh, is it still energizing to go into a, uh, into um, an event like this and you know rub elbows with both the people who are making films and the people who are, I hate using this word, but consuming films? Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely, th- it's just thrilling. And I don't know if you've for people who've never been to a film festival before, you just immerse yourself in it. And what what other time do you go and maybe watch two or three films in a day and then talk to people about them in between? It's just a lot of fun. And they're films that are not run-of-the-mill things. They really make you think. Uh, and that's, you know, those are the kind of films that we're trying to pick so that you, it's going to stick with you long after you long after you watch it. You know, for the weekend, you just give yourself over to it and uh, grab a piece of pizza in between and then go back and watch some more. <laughs> Natalie, I, I, I imagine it's also energizing as, you know, another key part of the of the arts community in the Adirondacks to uh, to to have all these people come together in this way. You know, this is this is your audience as well. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of crossover. Um, we just did a screenwriting workshop and with one of the screenwriters, Kirk Sullivan, who's going to be on our panel as well. And, you know, I just met another woman who's a screenwriter um, for uh, television. She writes episodic content. Um, and, you know, stories are, are stories. And it's so fascinating the various ways that you can communicate them. And, um, yeah, I think that most people who are in the literary world tend to also, you know, really enjoy the film world and, and vice versa. Um, there's a lot of crossover. And yeah, any sort of, I mean, we were just having a meeting about our kick-ass literary festival that we're doing in June. And it's just that energy to have all these people around and the the same idea where you're just like talking with like-minded people who are just as excited. And, you know, it's it's really really special um and so a film for a film festival in lake placid it's, it's just the perfect place for it and it energizes the whole it has a ripple effect of the the whole community like even in saranac lake like we feel it more excited about it too sarah Patton, uh um grant writing notwithstanding uh which is more exciting to you going out in the field and and making a film or being in an environment with a whole bunch of filmmakers and a whole bunch of film viewers oh i mean definitely making making a film i mean especially in documentaries when you have the opportunity to interview somebody and ask them questions about what they do i mean you you have this yourself it's just amazing you can you, you don't have to be an expert in it. They're the expert and you learn so much. And I just, I love that. Yeah. I've often said like the number of authors that I've gotten to sit down with, uh, I feel like I've gotten my own personal MFA just from what I've been able to learn from, from yeah, the people sitting right. across from me. Um, and, and one of the cool things, one of the cool things about my job that I think that both of you can appreciate too, is that as a director, I hear, um, a lot of writers get asked the same questions. And so I get to hear how they answer the same questions differently. And so I feel like I have this sort of special, you know, position that not very many other people get to because they don't go to all of them. You know what I mean? I go to all my programs so I can hear all of them and like to interview 
writers or you know to to interview people within the education for your documentaries um it's just a a unique perspective i think that's that's really exciting to be a part of uh, looking back at your history, Sarah, it's uh, probably a shame that you did not actually get to interview Marcel Proust. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That would have been interesting. Yeah, well, that's what you want to, when you have to do those games about who would you like to have over for dinner, he would definitely be one. <laughs> uh, you would want to make sure that you ordered enough Madeleines, though, right? Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. Yes. The only Proust joke I can make. I'm I, sorry. I think you wouldn't want to do <laughs> <laughs> anything but that. Um, well, and I think you know, and I would imagine the two of you would agree with this. That the most amazing thing about this profession is asking someone to sit down for an interview with you and having them say yes, and yeah, realizing right. that you have that ability to just sit across from someone and and ask them questions. Indeed. Well, I am glad that you both said yes to this interview, and uh, I'm thrilled that uh, that I get to share a, a, a table and a panel with you uh, at the Lake Placid Film Festival. Sarah Patton, Natalie Thill, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Sarah Patton is a film producer and co-founder of Stone Lantern Films. She lives in Ankiota. Natalie Thill is executive director of the Adirondack Center for Writing. They are both on a panel about storytelling later this month at the Lake Placid Film Festival and in the interest of full disclosure, so am I. You'll find a link to more about it at ncpr.org northwards. Before we wrap up this week, just a note about how this show comes together. The people that bring it to you all work at a place called North Country Public Radio, where we also produce other podcasts, including The Howl and Northern Light and Story of the Day and some stuff that's so secret we haven't yet unveiled it. Plus, we make great radio all day, every day. And the reason we can do it is because you and a lot of other people contribute to make NCPR run. We get the majority of our yearly funding thanks to the generosity of our audience, people who understand that NCPR is more than an algorithm, more than a stream. It's real people who live and work in the community that is special to us. I hope you will join that growing community of supporters. And if this sweetens the deal at all, when you contribute $10 a month or $120 in total at ncpr.org give, you, yes, you, can be among the first people to sport the brand new Northwards ball cap. It is a gray and blue trucker style hat with a very spiffy Northwards logo that you can probably see on your streaming device right now. Contribute at ncpr.org give and wear that hat proudly in your kayak at the coffee shop, driving a Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, wherever you wear baseball caps. It's ncpr.org give. Thank you for powering us and thanks for listening. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, Bill Hanel is our digital director, and Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.